When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. 20 seconds to go. Wrist shot, save Talbot. Rebound, top of the blue paint. Wrist shot, Martinez, save Talbot. Kopitar bangs it off the back of the net. 12 seconds, wrist shot, Martinez. Save made by Cam Talbot. to the left side. He'll hit Corey Watson with it. He'll sidestep one tackler and gets to the 20. Corey Watson inside the 10. Touchdown. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Eskimos getting ready for their big playoff showdown. With the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Oilers getting ready for two games over the weekend. Rangers tomorrow, Capitals on Sunday. At long last, your Edmonton Oilers have a winning streak. The Oilers will have time for one last rush in OT. Right side for Drysaddle. McDavid's on the ice. Russell can't get it to him. He'll reset with 20 seconds to go. He gives it up for McDavid. He's got a breakaway. Pulls up, centers. What time is It's McDavid to Dreisaitl for the winner in overtime. Ah, great call by Jack Michaels. Oilers outlasting the Devils 3-2 in overtime last night. Edmonton bumping their record to 6-8-1 on the season. It's going to be a long haul for them to get back into a playoff spot, but at least playing better lately. Getting some good goaltending. Penalty killing has been better, especially on the road. The game against the Rangers tomorrow on 6.30, Chad. 9.30 in the morning for the face-off show. The puck will drop at 11. Thanks for tuning in tonight. It is 6.08. My name is Reed Wilkins. Plenty more on the Oilers and Eskimos as we go along tonight. And the U of A Golden Bears tomorrow will honor Claire Drake. 5 o'clock game against the Lethbridge Pronghorns at Claire Drake Arena. Going to have a ceremony, a banner raising. And, of course, Claire Drake will be inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame in Toronto on Monday. Bill Morris, who was hired to be an assistant coach for the Golden Bears by Claire Drake in the 1970s. Moores went on to coach the teams, has worked in the NHL for the Edmonton Oilers as well. He's going to share some uh, memories and stories about Claire, so I'm really looking forward to that. That'll be between 6.30 and 7 tonight. Hey, if you want to get in touch, you can certainly do so. If you use a telephone, you can dial 780-496-0063. Or if you have one of them smart telephones, you can text 630-630. So the Oilers practicing today, and uh, Anton Slepeshev has been placed on injured reserve. Drake Kajula not ready to play after blocking that shot Tuesday against the Islanders. So Yessi Puglielarvi has been called up from the minors. Here's head coach Todd McClellan. Just responsibility on the ice. It's uh, when you're an offense 
offensive player uh, at a young age. You see it with a, a lot of first-round picks. Um, you tend to not be as sharp defensively as you need to be, and uh, we've worked with him. We've talked to him about those situations, and um, all indications are he's working hard to clean that part up. Um, you know, if you don't have an impact on the game offensively on any given night, you still have responsibilities um, uh, to contribute uh, all over the rink. And that's not just for Jesse. That goes right from Connor all the way down. And uh, um, young players have to learn that. All right, head coach Todd McClellan. For Puglia Yarvi, modest stats in the American Hockey League this season. He has a goal and four assists for five points in ten games. McClellan also saying that he's, he should get a look here in the top six. I don't see Maroon, McDavid, and Dreisaitl being broken up. So it's that revolving door right wing slot with Nugent Hopkins at center, Lucic on the left wing. I mean, just in the last five games, you've seen Slepeshev there, you've seen Kajula there, you've seen Yamamoto there. Cassian was playing there after Slepeshev left the game last night. Latestu even played a couple of games there earlier in the season. So uh, that continues to be a, uh, a spot of concern for the Oilers, though the team's still able to pick up a couple of victories later, though they do remain, in terms of goals per, per game, the lowest scoring team in the league. I will say this. I think it's been a very strong, very encouraging year by Ryan Nugent Hopkins, third leading scorer on the team. couple assists last night. He has six goals, 11 points in 15 games. And as McClellan points out, he's been consistent despite not having a steady guy on his right side. I think that's a reflection on him as an individual. Basically, he's had Luch. Um, he and Luch have been working with new wingers sometimes from a period-to-period basis or even shift-to-shift based on injuries and um, that's not easy. Um, You just get used to somebody and you you understand how they're going to play with you and it changes. So um, Both of them have done an admirable job. uh, Nuge has been um, one of our top forwards in my opinion. He's played in every situation. He's found ways to get on the score sheet this year which he's been challenged with and um, you know he's not uh, He's certainly not uh, part of our problem. He's a big part of the solution as we move forward. Well, I, I agree with that, that Nugent Hopkins has been part of the solution. And I'm, I'm going to make a definitive statement here for the Oilers after 15 games. And there's a lot of track still to cover. So maybe this is, you know, not even a big deal to say it at this point of the season because there is so much time left to go. But 15 games in, I think Ryan Nugent Hopkins is the Oilers' MVP. He's not their highest scoring player. He's not their most explosive player. But I think he's been their most consistent player and he's been their best all-round forward. His face-offs have improved, even though he's had a couple of uh, uh, rocky games the last two, but he's above 50% most games. He's above 50% for the season. He's been able to score. He's been able to generate chances. He looks fast. He looks smart uh, in his positioning. He's often, he's almost always in the right place, both ends of the ice, and he's been getting points, even though the team's power play hasn't been very good. And he's been getting points, as we've mentioned, that he hasn't had a steady right winger. And he's had a guy on the left side uh, in Lucic who I think has played better lately but didn't have a strong start to the season and obviously isn't the fastest guy in the world and and has had issues uh, handling the puck on the breakout at times. So I think if you look at the situation that Nugent Hopkins is in and what he's been able to accomplish night in, night out in terms of consistency and results... He's the Oilers' MVP to this season. It'll probably change as we go on, 
I mean, McDavid's already up to 18 points in 15 games. Drysaddle's over a point a game as well. They're just magic in the three-on-three overtime. But I really like to play a Nugent Hopkins. And I know whenever you bring up Nugent Hopkins, you know, people want to talk about the salary and what's going to happen down the road and can you afford to keep him and all that kind of stuff. Nugent Hopkins isn't a free agent until the summer of 2021. He makes $6 million a year, as everybody knows. And it was Peter Shirelli did a whole bunch of, of preseason interviews, and you probably, you probably saw he sat down when in the at the Penticton tournament, sat down with John Shannon from Sportsnet, Bob McKenzie from, from TSN, and he was asked about Nugent Hopkins and, and the salary, and he, was, he said, can you afford to pay three centers that much money? Because Dreisaitl's now getting 8.5 per year long-term. Next year, McDavid's going to start getting $12.5 million per year long-term. Now, the salary cap will likely increase, at least incrementally, as it often does. And Shirelli gave an interesting answer. He goes, well, I don't know if I can afford to pay three centers that much, but I can afford to pay three forwards that much, regardless of what position they play. And, of course, right now, Dreisaitl and McDavid are not both centers. They're on the same line. So one of those guys plays the wing. So I don't know if Nugent Hopkins necessarily has to be a cap casualty once we get into the next offseason or two. I think if the cap goes up and he keeps playing, he can be a building block, and he's one of the guys you put guys around. Now, I know what you're going to say. Well, Lucic has a $6 million salary. Yes, he does, and that one's not going away. He has a no-movement clause. But... If if the cap goes up and Nugent Hopkins keeps performing, I I don't know if that's a guy you sacrifice, given that he's a center. And I know Shirelli has made big trades with Hall and Eberle, who were making $6 million as well. But, man, Nugent Hopkins, he, like, he's still a relatively young guy. Like, like don't forget that. It's not as if he's, he's a 30-year-old, right? So he's still only 24. He could be three, four, five, six years away from his peak. Wouldn't you like to have a guy like that who can do a little bit of everything and is a smart player on your team when he really hits his peak? Just some thoughts for a guy who, uh, you know, quite frankly, has been dumped on a lot the last couple of seasons. I think he's looking very good. Your Oilers update for Nisku Ford. Every model on sale every day. Nisku Ford above expectations. You can text 63630. Oh, here's a good text. This uh, person said, uh, the question isn't can the Oilers afford to keep Nuge? The question is, can they afford not to keep him? Well, that's a very good way to put it. Uh, This texter says, uh, I think I wrote in a while back saying the Nuge is Stevie Y 2.0, an absolute beauty. Oh, nice to get some love for Nuge there. Uh, This texter says, is it just me, Reed? But over the last two games, it looks like the Oilers of last year. Uh, fair comment. I mean, I think Todd McClellan often tries to downplay the last year talk because, as he said, and I agree with it, every year, even every game, takes on its own identity, has its own personality, has its own battles and, and obstacles you have to overcome. But, yes, when the Oilers played well, the foundation was checking and defense. As much as they have spectacular offensive players on the team, in the NHL with the goaltending and the defensive planning that coaches put into it, you can't rely on scoring three or more every night. So it's nice to be able to tough out games, have your goaltender be solid. And I love how McClellan has put it. 
you got 60 minutes to win a game. Sometimes it might take 65. Sometimes it might take a little skills competition after the 65. Have the mentality that you're in it for the long haul. And for some reason, the Oilers haven't had that mentality at home because they've come out mentally vacant on some games or disappeared on home ice when the going got tough. And we've seen on the road... All right, you know what? Third period in New Jersey, not great. Goaltender held them in. They made the play in overtime. Last 10 or first 10 minutes of the game yesterday against New Jersey, not great. They got behind 1-0. They got their legs under under them. They kept fighting back. They win it in overtime. And yes, to that texture, those were qualities they showed quite admirably last season. It's 618. Keep the text coming to 630-630. We got that Bill Moore's interview coming up in the next half hour. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. We'll set up the Eskimos and the Bombers later on. Here's what's going on in the NHL. Capitals lead the Penguins 1-0 in the second period. Also in the second, Hurricanes and Blue Jackets tied 1-1. No score. Boston and Toronto, Panthers and Sabres are tied 1-1. Earlier today in Sweden, Senators beat the Avalanche 4-3 in overtime. Coming up later, Islanders at the Stars and the Jets will visit the Golden Knights. Jets doing very well lately. They're up to 8-3-3 on the season. All right. Trucker Dave says, can't believe it's taken so long for Claire Drake to get into the Hall of Fame. Congratulations to a true hockey mind. Trucker Dave, it took far too long, but I'm glad it's finally happening. Bill Moores will talk about working with Claire in the next half hour of the show. The open line number is 780-496-0063. Jared is standing by. Jared, good to hear from you. I read it. got a quick question. I don't know uh, like a ton about the salary cap, but when Connor McDavid's contract kicks in next year does that mean they're going to be over the salary cap like are they going to have to either not sign pat maroon or trade nugent hopkins to get under it well yeah like they're a team's not allowed to be over the salary cap like it depends what it goes up to yeah Uh, i mean right now it's 78 million or pardon me 75 million i'm just there's a site capfriendly.com that i rely on a lot to check salaries and stuff so if you haven't looked at that one jared it is a good one so it has the oilers next year uh at 61 million out of the 75 but that's with only uh 14 guys on nhl contracts because it doesn't have latestu doesn't have maroon doesn't have Jokinen, who won't be back he'll probably be replaced with another i'm assuming he won't be back right Pula Yarvi would still be on his ELC. So, I mean, they, they can fit everybody in, even if Maroon gets a, a bump up to, say, say four. You know, you'd still have $10 million left to spend on some depth guys, right? I mean, Latestu's making one and a half, or pardon me, 1.8. Yeah, like I said, Jokin is making 1.1. Benning's going to get a new contract. So they, they might be pushing it. But, the, you know, if it goes up to 76, 77, they'd be close to it, but they should be able to get it under and keep Nugent Hopkins. I don't think so he has to be expendable. So it doesn't, it's not imperative that they have to only pick one of them, right? I don't like think. They, they should be able to keep both, because I always hear that they're going to have to choose one of them, you hear on, like you read in the paper. Well, of, on, of who? Oh, you're, they're either going to have to trade Nugent Hopkins or not sign Pat Maroon because they're not going to be able to, like with all the contracts coming up, 
like next year, they're not going to be able to keep everybody. Well, it, like it might be tight because it depends what nurse is going to command. Yeah. I mean, we can probably well, spit. What do you think? Do you think he's going to get? I think nurse will probably get a bridge deal. Like at least four million a year, I would say. He'd probably be yeah three to four, I would think. Yeah, I mean he's been their best defense. Benning might get around two, say. Yeah. So that takes us up to about sixty six, sixty seven. Uh, let's say Latestu and Jokinen are either re-signed or replaced at similar value. So that's another three, takes us up to seventy. So yeah, I mean if Maroon gets four to five, you'd be tight for sure. Yeah. And you need a backup goalie too. Yeah, so they got the, the bargain in, in Brossois there. Yeah, oh, and Strom has to be re-signed. So all of a sudden it doesn't look as rosy as I made it sound earlier. But I yeah. hope I hope there's a way that Nugent Hopkins isn't ex- doesn't have to be sacrificed yeah. here. Because, I mean, that allows the others to play McDavid and Drysaddle together because he's playing so well. And if you bump Nugent Hopkins back down to the third line, all of a sudden he probably won't produce that much, right? Because there's only so much ice time, ice time to go around. So, yeah, it'd be nice to keep all those guys, but... It's going, to, it's going to be tight, I guess. Okay, Reed, yeah, just th- thanks for that. Hang on, who are you picking in football this weekend? Uh, you know what? I'm, I'm not a uh, huge CFL fan, but I do watch the playoffs, and I would have to say the Eskimos. And who's going to win Saskatchewan, Ottawa? I'm going to say Saskatchewan. Yeah, that's what I picked, too. Thanks, Jared. Okay, Reed, have a good night. That's Jared, 780-496-0063. Penguins have tied it now 1-1 against the Capitals in the second period. Claire Drake going into the Hall of Fame. Bill Morris worked with him for several years. Morris coming up next. Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. me to be your savior. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Hope you have a wonderful weekend planned. It is, of course, Remembrance Day tomorrow, and I always feel like any words that I say are inadequate, but I do want to say thank you to everyone who has served and is serving our country. Inside Sports on 6.30 Chet. So the Oilers game tomorrow, 9.30 face-off show. 11 a.m. for the drop of the puck. Oilers at Rangers. Then on 6.30, Chet on Sunday, 3.30 face-off show. 5 o'clock game start. Oilers at Capitals. Eskimos playoff game Sunday, West semifinal at Winnipeg. It's on Kissin' Country 103.9. 1.30 countdown to kickoff. Game will start at 2.30. The U of A Golden Bears hockey team home tonight to Lethbridge and then tomorrow, 5 o'clock start, there will be a special ceremony to honor former Golden Bears hockey coach Claire Drake, who's going to be inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame on Monday. Claire Drake will be there, as will this man, a man who worked with Claire Drake for several years later, coached the Golden Bears Bill Moores. Bill, welcome to Inside Sports. How are you doing? Good, Reed. How about yourself? Well, I'm doing great. It's always awesome to talk about a positive story to talk about Claire Drake there there was so much waiting and hoping that that he was going to get into the Hockey Hall of Fame and it finally happens this year I mean I know it was announced over the summer Bill but but when you finally heard the news uh and it was going to be official what went through your mind well, I think uh, we were ecstatic. Uh, Read the, uh, you know, it, it, the process had gone on for a long period of time, and you know, I, we all had felt that it was uh, overdue. 
And I think that probably can be said for a lot of people that get into the Hockey Hall of Fame that the, it's, it's overdue, but certainly in Claire's case. But we, at the end of the day, we were just so happy that it happened. And uh, going forward into this weekend, it's going to be a very special weekend. Yeah, going to be honored at the uh, Golden Bears game Saturday night. The banner's going to go up. You're going to be there along with uh, Randy Gregg, Austin Smith, some other former Bears captains. Stan Marple right. and Sir Lejoie will be there. Dr. Wilton Littlechild will be there. So uh, a lot going on, a lot of people uh, there for the ceremony. And obviously Claire, Claire's going to be there. Uh, yeah, that's right. I, I mean, do you, when you, I don't know how often you see Claire or are in touch with him, but do you guys still talk hockey? Or, or what do you talk about when you get yeah, together? Yeah, well, we, we do read, yeah, it's good question because i i try to uh you know i uh, try to drop by at least twice a week over his place and uh so we spend anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour plus and uh, just we talk hockey we talk uh, sports we talk whatever is current and uh, he still loves to to talk about the game and try and stay as current as he can and it's amazing uh how he remembers the players in particular that he coached Anybody walk in the room, he gets their name right away, and uh, I'm struggling to get it. But uh, so I do see him uh, regularly, and those are really important times for for me, for sure. And I think Claire enjoys it as well. You guys have known each other a long time. You joined his staff in '76, '77. Do you remember? I don't know a first meeting with Claire or a job interview or or getting to know him. Yeah, well, you know. You're right. Like actually, it's, it goes back almost 50 years because I was in the Faculty of Physical Education in uh, 1967, 66, 67, and I had Claire as a hockey instructor in the classes. And so I was where I first met him. And then about four or five years later, after I finished junior, I played with them, uh, the Bears for one year. I had one year left. And then about four or five years after that, again, as you mentioned, in 76, 77, uh, I got a call in the middle of summer, and uh, it was Claire Drake, and saying, uh, "Billy, would you like to come and uh, be an assistant coach with me?" And I had been coaching in minor hockey and juvenile double A and that, and so it was a life-changing phone call for me. What was he? What was what was it like to to be on his staff? Like, was he? Uh... Because I've often talked to people, what it was yeah. like the relationship with a as a player. What was a what was an assistant coach coach relationship like between you and Claire? Yeah, the, the um, well, first of all, I think as a player, uh, Claire had the ability to have a bit of detachment because as uh, from a coach player relationship, you have to be able to make some tough decisions in terms of ice time, in terms of demanding execution. As a coach, as an assistant coach, it was I felt very different. And uh, it was a completely respectful relationship right from day one and respectful of the fact that I didn't know very much. And so uh, he made sure that he didn't give me too much too quickly. And so that first two, three years, I spent learning and I'd go home after practice every day and I'd write down the things and I'd write down in detail. So I tried to understand it. And, but then he, as we went along, he gradually gave me more. And he knew when to give more, and he did that with all his assistant coaches. He integrated them at a level that he felt they were capable of. So that was important because when you hear him present, it's intimidating uh, if you have to follow it. So, uh, <laughs> but he was very good about uh, bringing me along very well, and I think or bringing me along slowly. And he did that for all his coaches. Bill Moore is joining us former U of A Golden Bears assistant and head coach, and of course worked with Claire Drake, who will go into the Hockey Hall of Fame on Monday. Did Claire ever get mad? (laughs) (laughs) Well, 
No, he 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 always had a way of making his point. Uh, he didn't have to get mad. He just had a way of uh, of speaking, and he had so much respect to start with. But uh, he. Uh, he, uh, he always had a way of uh, just uh, commanding the attention of the players, and uh, he didn't have to because they were so so well versed in the skills, and uh, everybody wanted to please him. I think that uh, I don't think he ever had to. The only time I think I ever saw him get mad is when I ran over his golf clubs one day, and <laughs> that was he got mad at me that day. <laughs> <laughs> so totally, totally not not hockey related. So there you no, go. No, no, no. <laughs> don't want to mess with other man's golf clubs. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. I found that out the hard way. <laughs> um, you, you know, you get you guys had tons of success uh, together, and and Claire did. You know, championships, both of the conference yeah. and and national variety. You know, how did he? I don't know if celebrate the right word or or acknowledge those championships because clearly, as you mentioned, he was he was a lot about teaching and and setting standards. Like, did he talk about championships as the goal, or did he talk about a certain way of playing and achieving certain standards as the goal? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It, it wasn't about uh, it wasn't talking about championships. It was never about the outcome. It was always about the process of getting to where you wanted to get. And so the focus was always on um, on the uh, the steps to get to what you had to do. So playing properly, what is that? And we hear that term all the time now, playing right, playing properly. Well, that was what Claire was all about. And so you did certain things that ultimately led to a goal. And he might identify that winning the, the uh, university championship was our goal. He might identify that at the beginning of the year and talk a little bit about it. But after that, the focus was on process and and not an outcome. And and he and Claire knew how to celebrate it. He knew how to, uh, in his own quiet way, we'd sit down and have a drink after a game or whatever or a championship. We'd celebrate it and we'd get around a he'd get around a piano and we'd sing some songs. And he he was very he's very social as well. But but uh, I think the big thing was that his insistence on his with his teams on execution, much like John Wooden. Uh, just very detailed execution, and if you didn't do it correctly in a practice, you go back and do it again until you got it right. And it wasn't a, as if you were being uh, punished or anything, but that's just the way we do things here. So that kind of an attitude uh, went through uh, the team, and and, and the, the players supported that as well, that vision. So that was an important consideration. One thing I, I hear a lot, Bill, is, is a lot of people credit Claire Drake with penalty killing with either changing penalty killing or or changing the mindset about penalty killing can you I, I know it's hard to do x's and o's on the radios but, but on the radio but can you give us some <laughs> what like what was it about the pk that that he really changed that made such a difference or what were the ideas he had about it yeah well i think the, the way it went, I think, Reed, was that most teams played a passive penalty kill. What they did is they 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 did they took principles of uh, of team play, and that if you're shorthanded, what do you do? You protect the middle of the ice, and you hope to live another day. And you don't. You just stay in a box, and but uh, you don't get caught outside that box. And you hope your goaltender is good. And Claire took uh, took an attitude of. Why, why would we not look for opportunities to be more aggressive? And so that first opportunity, and we see that frequently now, where teams get pressure down ice. And so one of the things we did with the teams, our teams, is we would pressure smartly down ice without getting trapped. 
And then if you can't pressure down ice, you'd say, okay, we can't pressure there, but can we pressure in the neutral zone? So if this guy does a certain thing, if this defenseman stays up because he has support, then that's a good opportunity to be at the offensive blue line to pressure. If you can't pressure there, can you pressure at the hash marks? If they rim it in, can you pressure at the corner? And then the coordination of all four men on the ice was important. And so we see that today when you see the aggressive penalty kills where everybody tries to pressure on the entry if possible or down ice. And so that, is, you know, what Claire developed there, has become kind of the prototypic NHL, and now there's some evolving in different ways where they're doing some different things. But the bottom line is that aggressiveness is the coordination of the four people on the ice, and it's, uh, it can be very effective, and it's all based on certain reads. So those are the things that he, he brought to the table. Bill Moore is joining us. Claire Drake goes into the Hockey Hall of Fame on Monday. Bill, I mean, I, I, you've told a few stories and, and a few you give a few memories from from you and working with Claire. But I'll ask you this point blank here: What did you like most about working with Claire Drake? Well, I think uh, the, the I think the most important thing for me was just the uh, the ability to share ideas and. Uh, you know, he's so far ahead of anybody that all of his assistant coaches in terms of understanding, but he, he always listened. And uh, so when I got an opportunity to, even as far fetched as might, uh, might be, or if I had an idea, he was always prepared to listen to it. And then what I think he did well was he'd say, well, look at how can we integrate that? And uh, if he felt it had some worthiness to it, he would integrate it and we would work. So it, it kind of made you feel. Uh, you, you took ownership as well, and you felt like that so your level of commitment and ownership was increased. So, and then just the, like as I mentioned earlier, the ability to uh, integrate the coaches as they went along and give them more responsibility. And what you're trying to do with your players and your coaches is you're trying to get them to take ownership. And the more you integrate your players and coaches, the more uh, ownership they take and the better they feel about it. And so after a while, you can almost step back a bit and say it's running well. And that's what Claire, that's what I enjoyed so much because I felt like I got good opportunity at the right time. He's also well known for sharing ideas with other coaches, even if you guys had been using the, those ideas to beat those other coaches' teams. <laughs> Was it? Yeah. <laughs> why was he? Why was he so willing to do that? <laughs> yeah, I know. I, that was one place where he had a couple arguments. But yeah, no, he he was very uh, willing to share with other coaches, and uh, and we just talked about the penalty killing and the detail that he would share, and everybody had it. And I think what he knew uh, better than anybody else, and we we always talk about the art and science of coaching. The sciences being the X and O's and the art. And he knew that in the art of coaching, that you can share whatever you want in the science, but you, your co- the coach has to get his players to execute that. And so he knew that, you know, if, if the, that's a difficult thing to do. So that's the getting people to play their best, getting them to execute to, uh, together. And so I think that's why he felt very comfortable sharing things because he knew that. And the other thing is that he had a grasp of the big picture that he wanted to evolve the game. He wanted to grow the game. He wasn't trying to hold on, grasp onto something and, and be so protective that nobody else could benefit. So that's the big picture, the big sharing picture. Awesome. Bill, 
thanks so much for for talking to us about Claire Drake tonight. This, I'm so happy, and I, I know so many people in Edmonton and area are thrilled that he's finally going into the Hockey yeah. Hall of Fame. I hope the ceremony is wonderful. Thanks so much for talking to us, Bill. Yeah, great to talk to you, Reed. Have a good weekend. Right on. Bill Moore is checking in tonight. Awesome stuff there about Claire Drake. 89 years of age, going into the Hockey Hall of Fame on Monday. Ceremony tomorrow at the arena named after him on the U of A campus. 5 p.m. game against Lethbridge. Banner's going to go up. Uh, Bill and I were talking about some of the dignitaries that will be there. Well-deserved for Claire Drake. Inside Sports on 630 Chat. This is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. You know, if the Eskimos make the Grey Cup, J.C. Sheriff might be able to play. I know it's still a couple weeks ahead of the Grey Cup, but he has been recovering all season long. Eskimos and Bombers on Sunday. Doug Brown, former Blue Bomber, broadcaster now on our sister station, CJOB in Winnipeg. He's going to join us between 7 and 7.30. My name is Reed Wilkins. Kellen Kennedy, our esteemed studio producer. Working the bells and whistle tonight. Kellen, old boy, how are you doing? Doing okay. How about yourself? Uh, I saw Thor Ragnarok the other night. Oh, good for you. I loved it. Right on. I loved it. Have you seen it? No. You see, I get the impression you don't want me to talk about it. I'm not going to spoil it. No, go ahead and <laughs> you, do, you seem you, disgusted. do whatever you want. You seem you disgusted. <laughs> oh, good for you. You went out, Reed. Loser. <laughs> no, it was, really, it was really good. It was really good. If you like the uh, comic book films... And you like a, uh, some goofy humor? They pulled it off pretty well. Are you are you interested? You you like those movies, don't you? Yeah. No. Nah. Not not specifically with four, but you know. Well, that's a funny. It depends on which time. ones is which, right? So. Yeah, I think it's more just Chris Hemsworth being himself. Ah, okay. Rather than being yeah. Thor. It was good. Anyway, great to have Bill Moore's on the show. Claire Drake going into the Hockey Hall of Fame ceremony form tomorrow at Claire Drake Arena. Well-deserved honor for sure. Also going into the hall, uh, I'm sure you'll know all these names. Tamu Solani, Dave Andrichuk, Mark Recchi, Paul Correa, former Team Canada women's player Danielle Goyette, and former Boston Bruins owner Jeremy Jacobs all going to be inducted. Tamo Solani saying he was uh, proud of how long he was able to play in the NHL. Overall, I think that, that I had a chance to play for 21 years and uh, almost 44 years old when I retired and I was still playing the top top level. So maybe that's the mo- most satisfaction what I got from my career. But, you know, there's so many great things. Obviously, 2007, the Stanley Cup was the crown for my career. All right, and and uh, Dave Andrzejczyk, 640 goals over his career, but he says another stat stands out. Yeah, yes, there's goals, and you know there's 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 a Stanley Cup, but still, you know the 1600 games to me is is pretty important. It means that you know you're prepared every night, you, you get ready every summer. Uh, I am very proud of the of the games played. All right, great stuff for sure. That'll be a good ceremony on Monday. NHL tonight, here's what's going on. Penguins and Capitals, it's now 2-1 Washington after 2. Also after 2, Panthers and Sabres tied 1-1. Late in the second period, Boston up 1-0 on Toronto. Bergeron has his fourth. Early third period, Carolina and the Blue Jackets tied 1-1. About eight minutes in, in Dallas. Klingberg has the only goal of the game. Stars won, Islanders nothing. Jets and Golden Knights will start, uh, not for another hour and a half about. And uh, in Sweden today, the Senators beat the Avalanche 4-3 
in overtime. Mark Stone, the game winner, 59 seconds into the extra frame. He had two goals today. He's now up to 11 on the season. Nail Yakupov scoring for Colorado. He now has five. Senators, uh, interesting record. They've won fewer than half their games, but they're over 500, well over 500 for this point of the season at 7-3-5. and five. They've been playing a lot of uh, overtime and shootouts. Oilers, of course, tomorrow. New York Rangers, 9.30 face-off show here on 6.30, Chad. Game starts at 11 a.m. Patrick Maroon saying team play really improving for Edmonton lately. We are getting pucks deep. We're going back to our identity. You know, we are a fast team. We can move laterally. We can we can make plays off the rush. But I think our strengths is playing good defensively, being strong in the boards, getting pucks deep and grinding them down low. And uh, I think once we did that, you can see once we dump pucks in, they back off, and you know we get our chances on the odd man rush, and we capitalize. Lutz had a big goal for us on the odd man rush, and that's that's huge for us. And I think, like I said, like I think once we start dumping pucks in, and teams start to back off again, and they get to, they get tired, they can't have their gaps like they did in the first period, as opposed to the second and third. So. Uh, I thought we did a really good job of that the last two games. So we just got to stay out of the box. You know, our PK's done a tremendous job. Our power play's got to step it up. We got to find ways to get that going. We got the PK going now. We got to find a way to get the power play going now. So uh, just got to keep that flow going, Get the, keep that swagger going, keep that confidence going right now. All right, that is Patrick Maroon. Oilers, Rangers tomorrow. Of course, that's Furnace Family, Oilers Hockey. Edmonton's Furnace Replacement Experts call 7804-FAMILY or visit FurnaceFamily.com. Again, it's an early one. We're going to start at 9.30 in the morning with the face-off show. Eskimo Sunday afternoon in Winnipeg. Matt Nichols didn't practice again today for the Bombers. Uh, it was because he was with his wife who was uh, giving birth. But still, some questions about whether Nichols will play. I want to ask Doug Brown about a specific playoff game he was in. You probably remember Doug Brown. I mean, like six foot eleven guy, great defensive lineman for the Bombers. Also played in the NFL. He suffered uh, a devastating playoff loss while he was with the Washington Redskins. That uh, also uh, kind of had was the, the tragic end to one of his teammates' career. He'll have that story when we get back. Inside Sports on Chet. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.